Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Secrets of the Sire. Good to be back in the home base. We had a great show for you tonight. We are going to be talking Walking Dead. Uh, we are going to be talking Rick Grimes moving on. Uh, Maggie also, if anybody didn't catch that. Um, plus, you got Election Fever. Come on out and vote for the most politically subversive pop culture, popcorn flicks of all time. And we're going to be welcoming Travis McIntyre from Source Point Press on to talk about their amazing line of comics. Really excited about all that stuff we got going on. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host extraordinaire, Mr. Hassan Godwin. How you doing, sir? Yay. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> And you th- and you thought your energy was low tonight. All right. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's jump right into it too. I actually want to uh, give a good hearty shout out to our patrons. Um, we have new patron uh, Craig Caruso, which is awesome. Inr Peterson, Matt Byer, Ashley Haikai, our uh, program director Stephanie Dolce, um, our executive producer Brian Phillips. We got to we got to yell at Steve Ovecki because he, he he needs to he needs to re up on us. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, so he's not a producer he's, anymore. He's not a producer anymore. We got to get him over there. Maybe we he him. fired us. Uh, well, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> Omar Morales is actually a uh, patron as well too, and I have not been giving him a shout out. He has a Kickstarter going on right now. Hmm. Go to Kickstarter. Go look up Moon Girl. Um, awesome stuff. So he does a uh, he does Moon a lot of, Girl. Yeah, it's actually a 1940s character that's open public domain. And he resurrected her in in a more uh, common, you know, type of whatever you want to call it. Yeah, is it about a girl on the moon? Uh, yeah, a, a, but uh, his <laughs> artist is actually really really great too. Uh, he worked on his previous uh, book as well too, which was um, not Moon Girl, The Crusader, which I did the colors on. Oh, All right. self plug. We are talking walking. Walking really? Do we dead. have to? We have to talk about. The we, do, dead? we do. We do. We do. Because it's, it's Walking Dead. Yeah. Rick Grimes has moved doing? on officially. Yeah, he's gone. He gone. Rick Grimes is gone. So, I, I actually watched that episode. Yeah. I have stopped watching The Walking Dead. Full disclosure. For, Did you? Yeah. For yeah. quite a few years, um, I missed the entire Negan War, the War with the Saviors, or uh-huh. whatever, because um, uh, Harry Dean Morgan, what's his name? Uh, what's his face? Harry Morgan with uh, Negan, the guy who plays yeah. Negan. Harry yeah. Jeffrey Jeffrey Morgan. Yeah, isn't it Jeffrey D. Morgan? Yeah. Okay. okay. Sorry. Yeah. Whom I absolutely love. Uh-huh. I think he's fantastic. Uh-huh. I thought he was great as a comedian in uh, um, uh, Watchmen. Yes. I thought he was. He had his own show for quite a. Uh, uh, quite a long time. Mm-hmm. He's been in several things. I didn't yeah. even know. Like when I first saw him in Watchmen, I thought he was uh, Robert Downey Jr. Oh, that's okay. how that's how uh, unknown to 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 me he was okay. when that movie came out. So now he's been around for a little while. He's he does great. He does Negan really great. But that show has this habit of overusing people. Yeah, of overdoing it. Yeah, and he over they overdid me. I well, don't look, think look, I don't think he did it. Here, here's I think the thing. they did it. To we him. talked about this beforehand, right? That whole Negan storyline should have ended like a year ago. Yeah, it should have ended before. And it even how it ended, and, and we're not giving spoilers away because it's season eight we're talking about. So at this point, you kind of have to have caught up at this point. Um, I didn't see season eight. The way it ended, <laughs> I mean, I did. We, my dad and I, hate watched it, but we got through uh, it. We did. He actually liked it more than I did, but. Um, you know, we actually got through it and it was like, they could have, they could have ended it three or four different moments earlier in the season, earlier in the season beforehand and it would have been a better ending. Last year's not even the year they lost Shaniqua Martin Green, right? Her character died season seven, the end of season seven after they lost Glenn and a bunch of other guys. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, because that took everybody, everybody, that allowed everybody to hate watch, uh, Discovery. Uh, which is which is left. totally fine. Look, at the end of the day, um, <laughs> I actually like Discovery. But um, all right. So so the, that aside, but I saw that episode, her last episode from uh-huh. there, and that's they didn't even have the war yet, right? So they took the entire season to build up to I the know, war. I know, and that was, and then they took a whole another season to have the war. You're like, wait a minute, just 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 start killing each other. Right? Yeah, and then you come back and then, and like spoiler, spoiler, serious spoiler, serious spoiler. Negan didn't even die at the end of the war. No, which has now started some consternation between uh, Maggie and Rick at the beginning of season nine, yeah, right? Because she's pissed at Rick for trying to put together a whole new civilization right. and not killing people arbitrarily because uh, 
you know, because they run around well, hitting people pissed. in the head with bats. And she will. She was pissed because obviously he killed. Glenn yes, because because that which which is the sequence that made me stop watching the show is when they did the murder porn with Glenn for about five minutes, where they bashed his head in for like literally which, five minutes. And I was like, all right, I you know, know what? I'm I'm done. I'm all done. Right. I'm not. But I know I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying they have a habit. They have a tendency to overdo things. Yes. That said, before we even get into this, yeah. this the last episode of Rick Rhymes. This is not a bad episode. Okay, it was a pretty good episode. Um, it did it did the old expectations kind of thing. So I mean, right. it did, right. it so was, wait, it wait, did before the, we begin, I'm not going to say anything. Gonna, no, 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 we're going to. That's our spoiler. Spoiler. What the spoiler heck alert. Is that? That's our spoiler. People alert. are supposed to know that's a spoiler alert. Why? Well, I'm stopping time. It, no, you're snapping your fingers. There you go. And basically, we were saying we that need to have these talks before the show. <laughs> you know, I need the interns to come up with some. Uh, Dan, get get me some get me some spoiler audio. That's right. I'm looking at you. Okay. Done. Yeah. All right. He's there you a, go. That's how you delegate. That's shit. how. Yeah. <laughs> Bing. That's, uh, that's how this operation is and, run. Um, obviously. You know. Yeah. That's how it does. <laughs> uh, all right. So anyway, getting into it now. If you haven't watched the the episode get on, that, on Sunday, I apologize, <laughs> but this is season nine at this point. You, you have no excuse. I mean, you're pretty much you're pretty much in the, in in the boat of I am still a diehard Walking Dead fan, or or f this show. Just spoil it for me. I don't care. I'll see no, it eventually. No, or f this show. Right. <laughs> Andrew Lincoln did officially depart. Um. So did Maggie. Uh, we'll get into her in a second. If she uh, hasn't left yet. But, uh, no, 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 she is official. That was her official last episode. Yeah, we'll get into that in a second. Yeah. What? Yeah, uh-huh. Um, what? We're not going to get into the specifics of what it, what it is, but the outcome was Rick did not die. Hmm. He was spirited away because they are about to do three TV movies yes. based off of Rick Grimes. Which they announced... In the in the Talking Dead, yeah, right after, yeah. right after Rick Grimes' last episode, he will reprise his role as Grimes in a trio of big budget feature length movies that will air on ba- on on AMC. Um, how it happened? The the three movies grew out of a conversation. Um, content officer Scott Gimple, he's been reduced from executive producer to content officer, <laughs> and Lincoln had as far sucks. back as season four <laughs> of the AMC. Uh, zombie drama. The duo, who both have what Lincoln described as young families, decided that the actor would exit the series in season eight. So they've been planning this for like four or five years now, which puts the question: It's too little, too late at this point. I mean, you know, not for him. This was not for not for. Well, for okay, from Rick. a creative standpoint versus a um, execution standpoint, I think like. Would we care as much if this was season five or six and they did this to Rick Grimes and they had three movies? It would be the greatest, like, it would be either like, that oh my God. Or, or like if you listen to it, if they were planning it for if they were planning it since season four, like four or five yeah. years, they're planning for him to leave and they knew they were going to have this, or they didn't know they were going to have this, but I mean, eventually they, they, they figured it out that they were going to have this big war in season eight. Yeah. Why wouldn't that be Rick Grimes' last episode? I know. In season eight. Wouldn't know, that be the I unbelievable know. finale? I know. Is that Rick would die at the end of of the season with Negan? I felt or whatever. like the the finale. Of but season no, they. Eight, I guess they figured no one would come back for nine. The fin- maybe the finale of season eight to me was just like that the old Looney Tunes cartoon of like the car and the race, and it's just like, or like the Tom and Jerry cartoon because that's all my my son watches right now. Tom and Jerry. Um, there's a scene where. Uh, uh, Tom has a gun, like a shotgun, because there's like a oh, big, that there's one. an elephant. There's an elephant um, loose in the house, and then he like goes to shoot it, but then like the elephant's mom comes, and the elephant's like two feet tall, and the, and the gun like literally just gets flaccid. I feel <laughs> like that was the end of season eight. Like it was just like because they didn't kill Negan. No, no, I, I don't even care they didn't kill him. It was this. It was the pivotal scene where uh, you know Eugene uh, came back and he actually. Saved everyone because unexpectedly, yeah. uh, what a t- oh, what a twist! I was you know? secretly <laughs> like, working for the good guy. Yeah, he wasn't secretly working. <laughs> ho, ho, In fact, ho. he was really pissed, and he had a reason to be really pissed at the end. <laughs> but no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna somehow save everybody. And it's like, it's like, really, dude, really. Listen, listen. Rick Grimes could have killed Negan a season and a half ago. I'm sorry. What ended it for me was, I, and I've said this a hundred times. And I've said this on this show. Yeah. All right. The whole Alexandria situation where they were gonna vote Rick out. 
off the island, right? Yeah. They were going to get rid of Rick. Yeah. Because he was just there and he was a he was a hothead and he was angry all the yeah. time. That was that was the less civilized Rick. That was everyone's favorite Wolverine Rick, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was about they were all about to vote him out, but the guy who whose wife Rick was uh Oh yeah, you yeah. know, negotiating with. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he comes. He just shows up with Michonne's uh, samurai sword and accidentally cuts the wrong guy's throat. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's easy to cut someone's throat with a samurai sword, <laughs> especially if it's the wrong guy, right? So they get, he, you accidentally this administer this a fatal right, wound. This isn't my jump off point, but. And I was like, "Are you kidding?" But I understand. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, that was kidding? that was the old Chris Rock joke. Where yeah, he's exactly. Just like, I don't, he's I don't like, agree I'm with not, it. I don't agree with don't killing your wife, O.J. Simpson. But I understand. But if she was gallivanting <laughs> with somebody else, I understand. I understand. <laughs> I understand. And it was that's right there. That was like you you that in Beth when they killed Beth off in season five. Yeah, I know for no or whatever. Reason. And you're like, well, all right, I get she was supposed to go. But you know, but you know what? Here's the thing: a show like that. If you're on for as long as you are, you're gonna have some misses. They they just can't be consecutive, and they can't be they can't be so dumbfounded misses where you're sitting there going like because it's like like okay, why did they it's a do one, that? The whole show is a one trick pony. Yeah, it's a zombie apocalypse. There's a, there are human beings trying not to be eaten by zombies. That's the only gimmick you have. Yeah. So everything else, you keep trying to drum up this yeah. this drama, and instead of concentrate, I mean, it, to 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 an extent, for the first two seasons, they concentrated on the characters. Why this is why they've been able to coast on this. Yeah. For all these years, but they've all the new characters have just been like these stand-in characters, right? And like, some of them go off you know, to go film the new, the new twenty-four. Which, yeah. Even though they're not supposed to in the. Uh, comic book version of things what, whatever happens whatever whatever it is so you touched upon a point earlier though you're like you're like well maggie's not maggie's not dead either spoiler dan i'm looking at you you're gonna come up with a good you're gonna come up with a good uh spoiler get, get like i'm an not air a part of the spoiler thing all right air horn of some kind i'll be good i am not i i was not consulted about this the spoiler is this thing is from screen rant the walking dead wrote maggie out so badly you didn't even notice so this is apparently <laughs> The fifth episode of The Walking Dead Season 9, What Comes After, wasn't just Rick's farewell. It was also, it was also Lauren Cohen's last episode as, as Maggie. You could be forgiven for not realizing it, though, since the last time we see Maggie, she's with the others, distraught over Rick's supposed death with no immediate intentions of leaving the community. Apparently, though, Maggie just disappears from the show during the time jump at the end of What Comes After. Uh, we've known for a while Cohen was going to make her exit because she's filming that new show, Whiskey Cavalier, However, fans were probably expecting a more dramatic exit. Now, obviously, the door is open that she can come back, um, you know, to the show. But uh, I'm sure she's going to come back like throughout the season. No, no, would, this she was going to this season. She up. is not under contract for the rest of the season. So if she comes back, it's a one off and it's a secretly negotiated like, hey, we would like you to come and show up. Kind was of there thing. was there a problem? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was there okay. was a contract standoff. Yeah. Obviously. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Well, that explains that. No question about it. So, well, that sucks. That's another sucky thing for another sucky, uh, you know, episode of a really sucky. So show. this is what I want to <laughs> know from from everyone. Um, if you're a Walking Dead fan still, are you still watching the show? <laughs> why? Why? Why do you still watch that? Show? And and that's the thing. Do you have? I mean, look. Do you have faith that? It's have you hit your head? <laughs> Do you need <laughs> medical attention? Well, there's that. Too, are yes. you? Are we required to call someone for you? Yes, I guess there's that. <laughs> I guess there's that as well too. All right, when we come back. Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. My vomit streak goes back to the 2010 Super Bowl. You haven't vomited in eight years? I have an iron stomach. My two-year-old son takes after me as well, too. He did the power hour, too, but it was milk. Still didn't vomit. Oh, uh, well, I guess that's settled. <laughs> Secrets of the Sire.
Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We are talking Walking Dead. We usually talk comics, movies, TV, and pop culture every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. Streaming live, go to secretsofthesire.com. Go to the right-hand column, you'll see us live there. You go to Twitter, at Michael underscore Dolce, youtube.com slash secretsofthesire. We're going to fix Twitch. Twitch is actually offline right now because it's a blank screen every time we try to, to uh, stream there. Fix so, the Twitch. So we're going to fix that. Uh, we were talking Walking Dead um, you know, the future of it. We had a couple comments. Alexa Fox commented in every moment Negan is, is, isn't on screen is a moment. I am bored and uninterested, uninterested. <sighs> Daryl and Carol are next to go. I think, um, they actually re up Daryl's contract. He's getting paid $20 million. Who else this season. they got? I'm pretty sure they're going to put Negan back out front. Uh, He's they've got, be the they've new got Michonne. The um, they've yeah. got Michonne. They've got, they had Maggie. And I think Michonne and Michonne is and actually, Maggie actually had a, even though you haven't seen it, like spoiler, Michonne and Maggie had like a big confrontation about, uh, about Negan. Yeah. In the, I mean, they, I, I guess what happened, you could actually yeah. kind of call it a closure. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Not really. No. Nope. Nope. No. No. I, look, so idea, how bad was the contract dispute? Do you have any detail information about that? Uh, with Maggie's contract? Yeah. How just, she wanted more money? Or? Yeah. Yeah, basically. basically. Mm. Now, uh, I don't know if I told you, They though. gave Daryl $20 million, They didn't give Maggie any money? I was watching, I was watching a very uh, highbrow uh, masterpiece, uh, which was um, the Van Wilder sequel. Taj goes to London or whatever. Do you know who the main love interest in that is? Maggie. Lauren Cohen, which is probably why they didn't give her any money. They're like, they're like, we like, saw no, your, you were in we band. saw you your weren't even in the, in the Ryan Reynolds. No, she robber. wasn't. She wasn't. So you you get nothing. Yeah, you get good luck with that uh, Mark Wahlberg movie you're in. Yeah. I saw that movie, the twenty twenty two mile. Oh 22. Yeah, 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 she was in that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-mm. 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 All right, keep chiming oh, in. Let us film. know what you think. We always like to hear thoughts. Uh, I'll check out the uh, the Periscope feed on the Twitter feed, whatever that is, mm. um, and see if we got any. Any any good comments on that as well too, but uh, I want to move on to something fun. This is actually fun now. Mm. If you were a patron, I did a little video previewing this for you today. Um, all patrons got this. Uh, Hassan and I had uh, this great conversation one time. I read an article about how Ghostbusters is actually the most conservative movie you've ever met in terms of the conservative philosophies, and we thought it's election day. Uh, why not do some of the most politically subversive? Um, films that you love that you may or may not know or may, not, may or may not realize are really like politically subversive because it's election day it's fun uh, yesterday was everyone election day. everyone loves poli- election day and everyone loves politics right today, today is the day after election day. well i know but we're, we're riding the coattails ah, i see because okay. hashtag election day is still a, a popular still hashtag happening. it's so still working we're, right. we're trying to we're trying to do as much as we can here um <laughs> r.i.p beto <laughs> Why is Ghostbusters the most conservative movie? Who's the main villain in Ghostbusters aside from uh, aside from Zool? Uh, Walter Peck. Zulunomics, they call it. Uh, yeah, Walter Peck. So this is this is actually from a an article from GZ, no, sorry, QZ.com. <laughs> Ghostbusters, the greatest movie ever made about Republican economic policy. The private sector saves the day. Ghostbusters isn't about ghosts. Well, it kind of is, but it's also about the power of the U.S. private sector mm-hmm. and the magic of market discipline to transform anyone, even overeducated. No, but look, you really get into this. This is actually pretty. This is what I have to go through during the week when I get a random into uh, Facebook message from uh, Dolce <laughs> with these, on these crazy tears. And I'm like, But what? think about it. Think about it. When Ghostbusters was released in June 1984, Ronald Reagan's landslide re-election victory to a second term as president was still a few months away. But the ideological ascent of Reagan-style conservatism cuts to s- taxes and social programs, boosts for military spending, and heaping helpings of anti-government rhetoric was nearly complete. Walter Peck is the villain of that movie. He's the reason the ghosts get out. He's from the Environmental Protection Agency. The, uh, the EPA... The EPA always, uh, the government overstepping their bounds. If they didn't overstep their bounds, there wouldn't be a ghost plague on the country. It has a conservative underlying. See, Sam baffled because he, it's, it's just an asshole. Yeah, but Bing. he's, <laughs> but he's from the EPA. Yeah, yeah. See what I'm saying? See, it's a yeah. so government overreach. No, so it's a no, movie no. about <laughs> government overreach. That it's about, is a, very about true. guys in the private sector who go to the private sector from academia. Right. right. Okay. And then they they 
they become entrepreneurial, right? Start their own business, yes, and then they get they get and hounded and by the, the by environmental the government, protection. yes, for regulations. <laughs> it's great. And it's, it's racist like, too because they played the they paid the black guy eleven hundred <laughs> eleven thousand five. <laughs> <laughs> It's not so crazy. So that all. movie sucks now. <laughs> <laughs> Ghostbusters is a terrible right. film. Before we get into the one, wow! You see, the, before the, that, we get who into the who one. who decide, who dug deep into that? <laughs> who did that deep dive into Ghostbusters and decided? Yeah, I got this figured out. Nice try, Republicans. Even nice though Dan Aykroyd is, you know, <laughs> he he um he co-wrote um some other movies before that that were actually very deeply deeply liberal in nature so i mean it just i think it was a sign of the times more or less mm, i don't know a, a movie about a whole bunch of guys who put together a hodgepodge company to, to hunt down ghosts sounds kind of liberal to me <laughs> <laughs> you could look at it from both perspectives here's another here's another movie demolition man libertarian the governor's house which uh, aired on uh, yeah. on talkradio.nyc right. after this show uh, was a libertarian candidate yes, for government Larry. Uh, for yes. governor larry he must love Demolition. Demolition Man is all about the libertarian spirit. Dennis Leary at the end, what is his, what is his rant that he goes on? He goes on a, yeah. A I, I, I couldn't, I, trust me, I can't quote it for you no, right now. No, and you wouldn't be able to. But, yeah. <laughs> no, I'd have to practice. I'd have to literally practice that for a while. <laughs> but no, his whole thing is I want to do what I want when I want. Uh, I don't want, uh, you know, in fact, I have, I have an article for that as well too, Demolition Man. Uh, in praise of Demolition Man's wackadoo libertarianism. Uh, <laughs> wackadoo libertarianism. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone pl- portrays the titular gent who does, doesn't work in demolition yet manages to be present for a great deal of demolishing. Um, <laughs> he's phallically named LAPD hero John Spartan, whom we meet in, then future, in, in, in the then future of 1996, yes. patrolling in hellish Los Angeles. Yes. Um, Los Angeles was post-apocalyptic in 1996. The film Good thing we cleaned that place up <laughs> since then. <laughs> that was close wasn't Um, it (laughs) yeah no there's uh, let me get to the part with uh with dennis leary at the end though basically though yeah basically uh the elite have taken over men uh, you know the government is like this uh, has basically overreached into every aspect of it taco bell is, is the feature uh restaurant of the times of course which is awesome as well too uh but but ultimately, Dennis Leary's character is the hero, and he's the libertarian. He says, I don't want to be part of this masses. Mm-hmm. I want to be an individual. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be, you know, I, I want my own individual voice. He's, he is a, uh, <laughs> a libertarian uh, in any Yeah, philosophy. but he's the one, he, uh, he's, not the, he's not the prevailing ideology, because Spartan. No, exactly, exactly. Spartan actually comes out and tells them. But the government is choking the, 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 the population, the population is about to undergo a transformation into free will that they don't perceivably it's a, have. But it's not the government. It's a totally, it's a completely totalitarian society. It's, it's, it's pseudo fascism. Yes. So it's not a libertarian. It's not libertarian to want to be free from pseudo fascism. That's just natural. That's, that's, but it's, but it's under the guise of, that's, of, that's, that's a uh, uh, egalitarian. That's not necessarily libertarian. I guess uh, I don't know. I think I think there's that's that needs I, to be that's wrong. I that needs to be studied a little more. Yes. <laughs> this is just a pressing. Jump Sam. to the next one. Just a pressing. Jump to the Sam. next one. Uh, well, you actually you wrote uh, you uh, wrote the, to me Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers is definitely a fascist. Uh, a fascistic. It's a very. It's a celebrate. It's it's a it's a. Well, the movie is a parody celebration of a fascistic society yeah the book not so much the book is kind of leaning very fascist and and not so much a parody of it yeah i don't know if the book is necessarily its own well, satire. war war is boring.com says uh Fair starship enough. troopers is donald trump's perfect war movie oh boy ever wondered oh, how politics. billionaire donald trump might govern if he becomes president this actually came out before he uh, was elected whoa we humbly <laughs> offer Dutch filmmaker Paul Verhoeven's 1997 satirical masterpiece Starship Troopers as a possible preview. In, a, in the world of Verhoeven's film and the novel it's based on, the military permeates every aspect of life. The government gives preferential treatment to veterans and the constant thrumming fear of the other keeps people pacified, afraid, and pro-military. Look at that. Mm. 
But meanwhile, there was just a lot of <laughs> yeah, like. Well, he wasn't in it. Well, and there okay, was a lot of okay. big bugs, so it so, was very so here, distracting so, for the rest this, of we, us. And, and Hassan and I debated about this. Uh, the that's not a true warning movie. A true warning movie is Idiocracy. Uh, yeah, yeah. And even the screenwriter of Idiocracy said, "I didn't think." <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't bring up the. I can. Well, actually, oh, I have the intro. Man. I can bring it up right now. Nice. But, uh, he didn't think That's that he was funny. writing things that yeah, would eventually I didn't come think true. I was, yeah, I forget what his quote was. He thought I didn't the, think I was um, Nostradamus. I thought I was just getting a paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hang on, there's a, there's an exact quote. He says, "I thought uh, a certain fashion trend was the worst thing that could possibly happen." <laughs> 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 Idiocracy. Yeah, oh, it's more blatant. See, that's a story more about complacency. It's not. It's not. It's not a subversive film because it, it basically is. As a, I is said a, to you when we discussed it, it's a bit on the nose. Yes. It's, like, it's a it's low hanging fruit, intellectual fruit to to yeah. say that that is a commentary on yeah. anything in particular because it it totally is. You know, it totally yeah. is written in that sense. It's over the top, ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, cautionary tale about. <laughs> celebrating stupidity and electrolytes yeah. but um but that is I don't still know to me one of the greatest scenes i've ever seen though. I, I don't know if it's why do you why do you water the plants because it's got electrolytes <laughs> what are electrolytes it's what plants crave but why do they crave it because it's got electrolytes <laughs> what are electrolytes it's what plants crave i do cocaine so i can work harder so i could earn more so i could do more cocaine <laughs> <laughs> all right chime in if you've got some politically Subversive films. We didn't even touch Revenge of the Sith. Thank you. But maybe, I, maybe we'll, I wouldn't have. <laughs> maybe we'll touch it with our, our guests you, coming you, up next. You two touch it. Travis McIntyre <laughs> from Source Point Press when we come back. Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. We're going to draft teams wow. based on the likelihood of death. I don't want to dispute you, yeah. you know, because, uh, you know, we got this thing going. Mm -hmm. But um, it sounds like a lot of work. Oh, I'm going to be putting a lot of work into this. Yeah. Uh, you just have to show up. Oh, okay. No, you know what? It's a great idea. You, you had I like this. That. I like this idea. Yeah, yeah. I'm all for it. Secrets of the Sire. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We do this every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. Uh, we are talking Walking Dead. We are talking politically subversive movies. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break to bring in our featured guest tonight, our spotlight on Travis McIntyre, the Source Point Press editor-in-chief. Mr. Travis, how you doing, sir? Good fellas, how are you? We are doing well. Are you are you uh, post election out? Are you good? Is are you are you uh, are you easing back into into life as we know it? Uh, yeah, I mean, life as I know it uh, never never quite stopped. Uh, honestly, election day for me was kind of a vacation. Uh, my my six year old didn't have school, oh. so you know we got up early. We met uh, another dad and, and his son, and we went hiking, and then we went to vote, and then we went to the bar. <laughs> so, with the kids? Uh, you a, went with the kids? You know, and, then I, and then I got to watch the world become just a little bit less uh, awful. There you go. So it was oh. a pretty good day. It was a good day. It's a good bar, right? All right, so I'm going to give didn't, you a little... didn't start off that good. <laughs> then it eventually got good towards the end of the and year. Then, and then I came up with the politically motivated movies. No, that's, that's when it started getting bad again. That's right. And you... That's right. It was good. All right. So this is... This is I want to give you a little backstory into me learning about your company. Uh, a mutual acquaintance of ours, uh, Mr. Seth the Moose, who uh, he and I are working on a project. We're going we're gonna to show. We're gonna send it your way because I know you're a big fan of him. Uh, I'm talking... I am. A, you're my huge fan. He's one of my favorite... Uh, favorite artist yeah well so we he and i were at c2e2 and we were just chatting and and we had this project in the works for for many many moons 
And uh, eventually we're like, okay, he's like, hey, my schedule's clearing up. Let's 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 do it. Let's do this. And I said, great. You know, uh, where do we want to take this? You know, should we take it here? Should we take it there? Should we take it here? And he's like, Source Point, Source Point Press. And I said, you know, I I've been hearing about them, uh, but, but like, what what's the deal? He's like, you just watch Source Point. So that was my first introduction, to you guys, in the sense that you guys have been kind of like building your your brand up uh, organically over the last few. Uh, months, years, uh, take me through it. Like, how did how did this all start up? Where where did you guys come from? You guys are really blowing up now. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of one of those like uh, overnight success stories over the last six years. <laughs> um, uh, so the way it started was uh, maybe six or seven years ago. A couple of fellows named uh, Trico Lutkins and Josh Werner. Uh, wanted to put out some of their own comics, um, but they kind of wanted to put it out under, under a logo. So like many people do, they kind of came up with their own little, their own little logo and they called it source point press. Um, and at about the same time, uh, I was working, I had founded a group, uh, here in Michigan, in the Detroit area called the Michigan comics collective, um, which was kind of about getting a bunch of guys and girls all together who wanted to try to break into the industry. And, um, put together an anthology and then put it on Kickstarter and kind of kind of try to get to where we had like look we we made a book and here's some mm-hmm. professional looking pages. Uh, so through doing these two things, I met Josh and Trico, and we all kind of gelled and got along really well. And then about two years later, after having done kind of several projects together. Mm-hmm. Um, we sort of decided that uh, <clears throat> I needed them and they needed me, and so we joined forces, basically. Um, and then uh, from there, we just kind of stuck with what we were doing, which is essentially we, we treated the source point like it was a punk band, <laughs> and we just never stopped going to shows. Um, I've probably personally been to somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 shows in Dear the past God. six years. <laughs> uh, this year, SourcePoint will have done over 60 <laughs> conventions. Dear God. Uh, oh. Last year was well over 50. Um, of course, now we have like multiple teams across the country, so it's a lot easier. <clears throat> but before, it was just kind of the, the three of us or two of us sometimes. But we were, you know, never stop, just out there constantly. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. every city we'd go to, we'd take extra time and go visit shops and it, you know it was just a very organic thing um <clears throat> and as we kind of grew uh and of course the company became more real we started to attract uh you know more people who wanted to put their books out mm-hmm. and more people who were like us they were grinders and they were people who were pushing hard and you know one thing kind of led to another and then <laughs> You know, I don't know. It was uh, kind of <laughs> something kind else of happened, and then me, something happened, and some of it now you have a six-year-old. I mean, I, I <laughs> usually I just tell people like, look, we worked really hard, and we did. We were just there, um, and you know, we we had some really good books, and we have some really talented creators. But honestly, some of it's like just right place at the right time, sure. having the right thing at the right time. Um, you know, we've had a lot of luck and we've had a lot of help and, you know, we just, uh, refused to give up over the, the first several years. And now, you know, now it's, it's, it's kind of nuts. I mean, this, this month alone, we've had, uh, a book at the Halloween comic fest that did 30 or 30 some thousand units. And, wow. you know, we just got, uh, we just had a uh, our October release of uh, I don't know if, I don't know if you heard of it. We had uh, Ogre Number One uh, hit shelves in uh, in October and sold out within a few days. That's awesome. The entire first print run. Wow. I mean, it's been I don't know. It does it even though I've been living it all, all these years. It, it it still does kind of feel like oh wow how did how did this happen? <laughs> Interesting. Wow. 
you know? <clears throat> so, you know, it's, it's just been nuts to start off and be like, yeah, we, we made an anthology and we got a couple handfuls of books. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, we just sat down with the, our editorial team and we've got 96 new books coming out in My 2019. God. So I was and just about to ask you, what is, what is the expansion? Like, I mean, you were talking about this huge expansion, 96 books. How does that work? I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is a very good question. We look at our stuff and we're like, what the, what the saying, hell are we going to He's there every day like, I don't know how any of this works. Like, what is going on? How the hell are we doing this? <laughs> You're just working from the bar the whole yeah, time. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. I think that's really what it comes down to. Have another to, right? drink. Have another drink. And, and, just and then another send. book comes out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, talk to us about some of the releases you're excited about coming out in 2019. Uh, the thing right now that I'm kind of most excited about is, um, there's actually a book we've had in production for a really long time. Um, and it's, uh, the book where, uh, our, our mutual friend, Seth Demuth did the art. Nice. Um, when we, so we're, we're from Michigan, Detroit area. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're from this area and you got into comics in the late eighties and the nineties, like we did then one of the things you got into was a company called Caliber Comics. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Caliber is, uh, they were the first publishers of The Crow. Mm-hmm. They did the first public works of Mike Allred, uh, Brian Michael Bendis, sure. uh, James O'Barr. Yeah, yeah. They worked with Alan Moore. They worked with Neil Gaiman. Um, people who worked with Caliber are now you know, the publisher of Scout Comics and the chief creative officer of Aftershock and, uh, you know, just a a huge, huge, huge impact on the industry as a whole. And the editor-in-chief of Caliber was a man named Gary Reed. Um, So, you know, for us, uh, Caliber was a big deal. They were our, you know, when Gary Reed was, was the Detroit version of Stan Lee. Yeah. So... Um, you know, one of my early books, uh, when, when I, re- when I realized I was, uh, a truly mediocre writer, is when, I, <laughs> when, <laughs> when I got, yeah, I got a book picked up at Caliber and I, and I got to know Gary Reed and, you know, he tells me like right off the bat, he's looking at it. He's like, um, you know, the story is, is really good, but I, I hate the art. I mean, I can tell that it's good art. I just hate it. <laughs> <laughs> but he still, he still signed it, right? Yeah, I was say. Say, yeah. <clears throat> so some time goes by, and I've gotten to know Gary, and I'm, I'm working a little bit with Caliber. And um, eventually, uh, you know, I, we're, we're talking to him. We're like, look, we're trying to t- we want to take this little thing that isn't even a real company. We want to kind of take it to the next level. And he really took us under his wing. He was a great... Uh, advocate for us and uh, great, great with advice and kind of helping us avoid pitfalls um, and really helped us kind of put things together and get, help us build a strong foundation and build a foundation that's based on, uh, you know, really moving paper and, and building a company that can survive and thrive in this very, very competitive business. Mm-hmm. And eventually you know, he had not written anything that was coming out as single issue comics in years and years and years. Yeah. Um, you know, and this is a guy, he wrote dead world for many, many years. This is a book that has sold over a million copies. Um, he wrote, uh, all the St. Germain stories, which are one of my favorite things ever. And if you've never read them, I highly recommend you, you find them. Okay. And finally, uh, you know, just after harassing him for a solid year, he finally agreed to write a five-issue series for us. And uh, he wrote almost the whole thing, and we ended up hiring Seth to do the art. And at first, of course, Gary was very curmudgeonly about the whole thing. And then after he got the first roughs in, he was like, nope, I was wrong. This is the guy. <laughs> and... uh we got the first two issues completely done, um, and then very unexpectedly, uh, last October, uh, Gary unfortunately passed away. Oh. oh. And now, uh, right now, in November of this year, 
the full five issue series is is complete, and uh, the first issue of Savants number one is in Previews Magazine right now. That's awesome. Uh, so we ended up we we're publishing the the last thing ever written by uh, by a real in- industry legend. That's amazing. And uh, <clears throat> and a, a good personal friend of of mine, and a, a huge mentor, and a huge. Um, a hugely influential figure um, in Michigan comics, uh, which is, you know, that's that's kind of where our heart is. So uh, yeah. that, I think, is the, the thing that we're most, the, is the thing I'm most excited about. I actually keep kind of starting, like, you know, I've got to write something about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I haven't been able to do it yet because I, it's it's, I don't want to come off as super maudlin, but yeah, at the same yeah, yeah. time, I don't want to not not make it be like, "Hey, this is really important." It's to a me big deal, right? Yeah, yeah. Book out into the world. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's that's something that I'm extremely excited about. Um, the Ogre series uh, number three is in previews right now. Uh, that's by Bob Sally and mm-hmm. Sean Daly. Uh, they are doing incredibly well, um, and has has raised our profile a, a huge amount. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got, uh, we've got a movie that just finished. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Year. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the movie, uh, Rotten Tail. Yeah, one of our earliest graphic novels was a black and white creature feature, um, by a writer named David Hayes, uh, who is sort of a, a C or maybe D list uh, horror movie celebrity, like superstar. <laughs> you know, he's written all these scripts and he's been in all these weird, weird movies, some of which are amazing and many of which are awful, <laughs> but all of which are very strange. <laughs> <laughs> all of which exist, and, though. <laughs> yeah, and, and so he writes this script and it's like... Uh, you know, it's it's essentially riffing on Spider-Man, except that it's a lab assistant gets you know bitten by a a mutated rabbit and turns into a demented murderous Easter Bunny <laughs> and sort of like murders his way through everyone who did him wrong. Of um, course, <laughs> it's it's really just stupid. It's one of the dumbest <laughs> things. Uh, but it tickled me at the time, and uh, we released it, and we did really well with it. It was one of our first uh, graphic novels that we were like, hey, uh, apparently it's possible to have more money after you wow. publish a book. Than that doesn't more, happen. Which we no had no way. idea. Yeah. That, that was a thing. Those are lies. Those are vicious <laughs> lies <laughs> you're, you're, uh, you're trying to have reporting over the airways right now. Uh, so, so that came out, and then... Um, and then one thing led to another, and it you know it got <laughs> optioned, which at the time one we were like, oh my another. goodness, we had a thing get optioned. Yeah. Behold, <laughs> uh, and then and then we quickly learned that like that means absolutely nothing, other than it's going to sit there for a year and oh yeah, do nothing. The there are people that buy uh, stuff. There are studios that buy things just so other studios can't make them. Like, they literally right. will fight over uh, option rights. Now, that being said, I, I, I want to get something else. Yeah, I'll, so, I'll like, I'm really, it. I'm really trying. You know, it's a nice little paycheck, too. I'd like you know? someone to option something <laughs> and not make it. Yeah, option this. Don't make it. Just option it. Thank so you. So we've, we've, we've got about 30 seconds left in the segment. Can you tell us, tell everyone out there where they can find your stuff and, and how they can get a hold of SourcePoint Press? Yeah, uh, you can find us at sourcepointpress.com. You can find us on Instagram at, at sourcepointpress or Twitter at, ask, at sourceptpress or on Facebook, just searching sourcepointpress. Um, you can find us in comic shops across the country. Uh, you can walk in, order us from Previews Catalog. Um, and uh, the probably the main way is uh, you can find us at pretty much every major and many not-so-major uh, comic conventions from coast to coast. That's awesome, and I will definitely look for you. My next convention is going to be C2E2, I think, taking a little bit of a breather. We'll be there. Yeah, we have a, <laughs> we're, since we're close to Chicago, we have an enormous place in C2E2. Awesome, awesome. Travis, we'll, we'll, we'll be talking, I'm sure, but uh, I want to thank you for joining us. All right, when we thank come... Thank you, guys. It was really fun. Absolutely. When we come back, we will go spinning the racks. 
Forever Night TV series yes. as well, too. I've never even heard of it. I have no idea what that is. You don't know Forever No, I don't know Forever Night. Good Lord. I don't know. I used to watch other things you know, when I was a kid. Well, I'm sure that information is useful. You're have you ever Smurf seen guy. the movie Blown Away? Nicole yes. Eggert and yes. uh, the other girl from uh, from something. She ended up on 90210. There was another girl on that? You're just making this weird now, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> Secrets of the Sire. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We do this every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, talking comics, movies, TV, pop culture. <coughs> Before my voice goes out. Uh, I want to thank Travis McIntyre, SourcePoint Press. Do check them out. They are everywhere, and they're doing some awesome, awesome things. So uh, yeah. pretty excited to have them on. They don't know and, how they're doing it, but they're doing awesome. <laughs> Sam, they're our producer's awesome. like, he, he raised the bar. <laughs> we have to be funny now. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, has I'm like, I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> That's why we will go spinning the racks. That's still not funny. Spin the racks. Spin the racks. Bringing you the most fantastical Pop culture news. Uh, I, I found a couple. So I found much. a couple. You're gonna like us on. You're gonna really like this mm. one. Thanos did nothing wrong, according to a new study. <laughs> Super. <laughs> if you're a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, this is from uh, ComicBook.com. Uh, there's one thing you probably know. Thanos is the villain of Avengers Infinity War. After all, well, he went to pretty brutal duh. lengths to acquire the Infinity Stones, then snapped his fingers and turned everyone to dust. Not it's clearly the work of a villain. Turns out, depending on your perspective and how you weigh out overall actions and consequences, a new study finds that while some villains may have some dubious morals and values when it comes to their actions, it's the heroes who carry out more violence. The researchers watched 10... Of the top-grossing superhero movies between 2015 and 2016, both Marvel and DC, think films like Age of, of Ultron, Suicide Squad, Batman v Superman, categorizing the major characters into good guys slash protagonists and bad guys slash antagonists. From there, they broke down each character's actions, and the findings are quite surprising. Good guys had an average of 23 violent acts per hour, while the bad guys only averaged 18. On top of that, the good guys were noted to be more likely to be seen fighting at almost double the rate of the villains, using lethal weapons, and destroying property. That was the real shocker there. What the really shocking numbers, heroes were committed, were committing murder at an astounding rate. Uh, there was only one category of acts where villains took the lead, um, bullying, torturing, intimidation, with 237 instances for villains, as opposed to 144 for the heroes. What were the movies and, and what, what, what was the, the research base? They basically you know? movies between twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen. Uh, th- again, if it, it was the top ten of the gr- um, uh, ten of the top grossing superhero vague movies. metrics. Well, it's not so vague. hold on, yeah. The, it, it, if you don't know the the source point, right? You don't know the press? the huh press. That was last segment. Yeah. See what I did there? Yeah. See what I did there? Hilarious. Anyway, Avengers: Age of Ultron. <laughs> the snap of the fingers. See, that's good. That's it. That's the spoiler alert. Uh, sound effect. Dan, I'm still waiting for that. All right. Uh, a, uh, think Avengers Age of Ultron, Suicide Squad, and Batman v Superman. Batman v Superman probably accounted for like 96% of all the kills by heroes. Right? Just Batman just mowing people down with a machine gun. So, there's, so, the, so the logic is, how, how does Thanos did nothing wrong? How do, how do we get to Thanos did nothing wrong for looking at all these other movies? I don't know. That was just the clickbait title, which I thought was pretty good. Me all right. So... Basically, the problem is that the villains are basically a violent act in and of themselves by existing. Mm-hmm. If the heroes don't have anyone to stop, no no property gets destroyed. It's not like Captain America goes down like uh, Riverside Drive just throwing his shield at people right. for practice, right? So it's catalyst. You know, it's it's chicken and egg theory. Right. I think what it more boils down to is the, the our our tendency in this society now to lay blame at everyone to look for uh, uh basically a um a fall guy yeah. for every incident, no matter what you know, no matter what the circumstances mm-hmm. are. 
Because if we just accept, okay, there's really bad people here doing terrible things, right? And, and this this bad guy just fired a missile at my house, right? And so this other guy came along with a shield and he blocked the the, the missile, right. And some of my house got destroyed instead of all of it. Then we that we appreciate that, right? But you know the way we are now, it's like if we, there wasn't a Captain America, there wouldn't be anybody with a missile trying to blow my house up. It's chicken and egg. It's not and though. It's nothing wrong. It's not though. Captain America was was created. Because of these bad things. I'm Team Thanos. All right. Moving on, The Explorers. Remember The Explorers? 1985 movie starring a young River Phoenix and uh, Ethan Hawke. It's being adapted for TV. No, because I was like an adult. I don't watch that crap. Didn't you watch that? No. Nope. Wasn't that? That was one of my favorite movies as I a bet kid. It was. They build a spaceship somehow, and they, these like kids they find stuff in somehow. a junkyard. You've watched that's your favorite show. You don't even know how they. That was one of my spaceship. favorite movies when I was a kid, though. <laughs> they just they like, like they stuck like a computer in it. Was bottom really line? No, I don't remember it. it what's your <laughs> what's your what's your take on it? Released in 1985, Explorers centers around a little boy obsessed with science fiction who keeps having dreams about a mysterious machine. Charting out his dreams reveals a blueprint that he and his two friends are able to use to construct a spaceship. And it's being made into a TV series right now. I'm very excited. Yay. All right. We'll move on to the last topic <laughs> of the day. I, I, thought, I thought for sure Mm-mm. it's like one of the ultimate wish fulfillment movies. Mm-mm. I right. never wished that I could build a spaceship you and, n- you know, <sighs> when I was right, a kid. You're killing me. No, All right. Sir. How about this one? Interstellar object may have been an alien probe, Harvard paper argues. Hmm. So it came out. Of, this oh, is, this is the thing that, that flew away? Yeah. That was there and it flew yep. away? Yeah, we're uh, about to be invaded. A mysterious cigar-shaped object spotted tumbling through our solar system last year may have been an alien spacecraft sent to investigate Earth, according to astronomers from Harvard University. Uh, the object nicknamed Mama. Meaning a messenger that reaches out from the distant past in Hawaiian was discovered... By, uh, a, by ho- and a Hawaiian, maybe? Telescope in Hawaii, <laughs> yeah. Uh, since it's Ask me how I know. I put these things together. Scientists have been at odds to explain its unusual features and precise origins, with researchers first calling it a comet. But a new paper suggests uh, this has an artificial origin. It may be a fully operational probe sent intentionally to Earth's vicinity by an alien civilization. Woohoo! What do you think? We're screwed. We're screwed. We're screwed. Luckily, we have those uh, robot dogs and stuff that we've been building. <laughs> so once the, once we defeat the aliens, we can be defeated by our own machines. That, uh, we that is very, very, <laughs> very true. See, we had such a winning episode. I want to thank our guest, Travis McIntyre from SourcePoint. We want to thank uh, just uh, Hassan for being merry and jolly. Uh, I want to thank me for getting over a cold that my uh, son <laughs> gave me. Thank you, Sal. And next week... <laughs> We're supposed to, hopefully, have William Ragsdale from Fright Night. Fright Night 2. Whatever. He'll be on. We'll see you then.